Hi there, listeners. We wanted to let you know this episode includes adult content, so you'll want to listen when little ears are not around. Also, our guest discusses her history of sexual assault, and we realize this may be triggering if you have experienced sexual assault yourself, so please listen with caution. You're listening to the Upside Down Podcast, a place for unscripted conversations on life and faith. Join us as we discuss what it looks like when Jesus turns our lives upside down. Hey friends, Kayla here, and we're popping in before we get this episode rolling to say thanks for joining us for another episode of Upside Down Podcast. By the time this airs, we'll be just coming off our first ever Upside Down Retreat. Guys, I cannot even. (laughs) Right? (laughs) This is Christy, and I'm so excited. It's always a little hard to leave my family. I've been doing that a little bit more lately, but I'm pretty sure my girls will be getting in some solid screen time. You know how it goes when you've only got one parent around. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We've all been there. (laughs) Yeah. Screen time is tricky. We recently um, cut our kids off the Pokemon videos. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone else has kids out there that are obsessed with Pokemon, but... Mm -hmm. Our kids just were not being kind to one another, and I kind of felt like it's probably the Pokemon. So <laughs> they don't get to watch that anymore. <laughs> and and you you started watching Deli Telly, right? You added that app yep. to your phone. So yeah. well, so we don't do the app thing, but <laughs> uh, it's on the laptop, and we connect it to the TV, so it works oh, out really cool. well. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, with Jelly Telly, the ad-free shows and movies our kids watch, they watch over and over again, and I love that they reflect what we believe about God and help us lead mm-hmm. our kids into a life of faith. We can talk about them afterwards. Right. Yeah, I was really grateful that um, Jelly Telly joined us as sponsor this month's episodes of Upside Down Podcast. My, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and they're like borderline addicted, but I feel like mm-hmm. it's borderline addicted in a healthy way. <laughs> they're able to choose their own shows and I don't have to worry about them accidentally landing on inappropriate mm-hmm. content. And that can very easily happen with other streaming sites. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that piece of mind too. Jelly Telly was co-developed with VeggieTales creator, Phil Vischer, and it's available at the app store, Google play, Roku channel store and supported Kindle devices. But if you're like me and you don't know what any of those things are, <laughs> you can just do it on your laptop. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just four ninety nine a month. We actually paid for a year and so that was pretty easy. And if you head to jellytelly.com and use the coupon code upside down, which is just for Upside Down Podcast listeners. You can try it out for a week for free and get a 10-page Jesus Coloring Book download. Thanks for supporting like-minded businesses that support our podcast. Now sit back and enjoy this episode of Upside Down Podcast. Welcome to this episode of Upside Down. I am Kayla Craig, and we have a really special episode today. It is an interview. And we don't do a lot of interviews because we have a lot of voices already. <laughs> we do. <laughs> and, and we're and we always, always talking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but this is going to be a really uh, a powerful episode. It's giving us a perspective that we might not always hear. And so we feel really fortunate to have Amber Newberry with us. And she shares her story, um, kind of a little bit of her faith journey and we'll let her share in her own words, but she shares about her experience having an abortion and her experience with how Christians treated her and then how in her healing, how she connected with believers and how that became a really powerful thing. Mm -hmm. So she kind of has a really broad 
powerful experience and we're really excited to share. Uh, mm -hmm. Lindsay and Shannon were able to have a conversation with her and really just hear Amber's experience in her own words. Yeah. So before we start, Christy, you know Amber and met her, right? Yeah. So Amber and I, I, I definitely, we're not like best friends or anything, but I have a very clear memory of when I first met her and it was through the Influence Network. We met at one of the conferences. We were both there kind of setting up early and she was having, I think there was something in the hotel that was making her have this really severe allergy attack. So I remember her, oh, no. like, I was like, who is this girl who keeps having to rub her nose? But she was super nice and we got <laughs> to spend some time. We had, a, like, friends in common, so we kind of ended up kept running, we kept ending up running into each other that weekend. And then I've just been kind of following her ever since. And she's got a great, her website is beautiful and beloved. And she, for years, has been selling ethically made jewelry and scarves and all kinds of different products. And I've kind of watched her, you know, how you have like online friends that you sort of watch evolve. She's got a lot, she's doing a lot with holy yoga now. And it's been fun to watch that. But yeah, so we've been connected for quite a while. But I will tell you, I didn't know this side of her story until just recently. Mm -hmm. And so it's been really, it was kind of beautiful to preview this interview and to hear that side of her story. And I'm really thankful that she was willing to share it because I think her voice is a really important one. I think we should all, we may not have had the same experience as her, but when we hear her tell it, I think there's this narrative of, you know, being created in the image of God and then being fallen and then having, uh, because of Jesus finding redemption. And so I think it's just really beautiful to hear her walk through that. So I'm really excited to share this with everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And her company, Beautiful and Beloved, and kind of her whole thing, it goes back to one of the things that you'll hear in the interview, but she says, you are beautiful and beloved, and that's the most true thing about you. Mm -hmm. And I just, I've been thinking about that ever since. So as we go into this interview, I think we can all relate to the fact that there's brokenness, but mm -hmm. Jesus sees us as whole and mm -hmm. as beautiful. Right. Yeah, I love that too. All right, we'll go ahead and play Amber's interview, and then we're going to pop back in at the end of our conversation with Amber to kind of share some thoughts and process with all of you. So take a listen. Okay. Hey, guys. Tonight, or today, depending on when you're listening, Shannon and I get to interview our friend Amber Newberry. So welcome, Amber. We're glad to have you with yeah. us. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we get yeah. to chat for a little while. So, Amber, could you introduce yourself and your family and just kind of who you are and what you do to our listeners? <laughs> sure. I'm Amber. I <laughs> live in the mountains of, like, southern Colorado in a tiny little town. We ha I have four kids who are in third grade, second grade, first grade, and pre-kindergarten. Wow. <laughs> that's fun. So God that's bless a good you. time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, it's gotten it's so much better now that they're a little bit older, but it's nice. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um my husband is a pilot in the Air Force. He just recently joined the reserves. So oh, wow. Yeah, so now he's in the reserves and he is working for his family business, for his civilian job. And so we are just doing life here in Colorado forever now instead of moving around all the time. And we mm -hmm. are super excited about that because we're both from here. Oh, cool. So, okay. Yeah. And then I run a ministry called Beautiful and Beloved. 
And um, it was for a long time um, dedicated to um, helping survivors of trafficking um, believe that they have value and worth and mm-hmm. believe that they are beautiful and beloved by selling like the works of their hands. So I sold a bunch of their products and things like that. And since then, um, yeah, but we've kind of evolved. I still have some products. I have mostly these silk scarves that are made in Nepal that are really beautiful that are from vintage saris. So I like like the double Mm. meaning of the old life of the sari made new and the Mm -hmm. scarf and the old life of these women made new. Like, so we still have those and those are super important to us. But I have really started doing a lot of um, kind of healing work with just women I come in contact with every day because turns out there's a lot of trauma and hard things yeah. <laughs> in this world and we all need to kind of believe that we're beautiful and beloved. So mm-hmm. um, that's where the Lord has really led me in the last year or so. So I teach wow. holy yoga and oh, right in my alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, cool. yeah. So I work a lot with just helping people heal after hurt. Very cool. So Amber, one of the reasons that we wanted to invite you on is because we were, we're focusing on a series that's dedicated to um, a holistic view of life. And you came to mind because I've seen you share kind of bits and pieces of your story online and how um, God has used your past and then giving you this heart for um, trafficking victims and like you mentioned it's transitioned into healing for women specifically I don't know if you work with men too um <laughs> not really yeah <laughs> no offense dudes no um, offense. <laughs> yeah. and so I had heard like bits and pieces of your story and so that's one of the reasons that we invited you onto the podcast because I just think you have kind of this beautiful thread of redemption that you that I see you sharing so could you tell us a little bit more about that yeah I would love to so I the last two years I've been on like this really intense healing journey I had a couple years of a lot of traumatic hard horrible things happen and what it did was it dug up a bunch of my past that I hadn't really dealt with and so um that's kind of where I've, I, why I've been sharing a lot and like, cause I've been learning a lot about just healing and stuff like that. So, um, and learning about myself and I can see my past now in a way that I can look at it and it doesn't hurt me again, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so that is why I like to, like, that's why I've been sharing it. And that's why, um, it's important to me to share it because, because I, Somebody once told me I have the gift. I'm giving people the gift of going second, which I think is so mm, beautiful. Yeah. So um, I hope that that I hope that that's the fruit of this today. But I heard your last podcast and I loved it. Thanks. So when I was 15 years old, I like I had like a real normal childhood. I would say <laughs> super happy, like you know. And I, um, but when I was 15 years old, I was sexually assaulted by a classmate of mine. And, um, when that happened and I told nobody, um, really believed me, Mm. which is what he had said would happen. Like he said, you can tell that nobody will believe you. And then I did. And only a handful of people did believe me. And the people who did believe me were like also 15 years old. So 
Mm, like, yeah. they had very little, like, like, nobody knew quite how to deal with what was happening. And so it... So you told, like, adults who didn't believe you? I told no adults. I told no oh, adults. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, because we had been doing stuff we were not supposed to do. Uh-huh. So we were, like, we were all someplace we were not supposed to be. We were stuck into somebody's house and their parents were out of town. And so... I told some of the people who were there what had happened, and then them believed me, and then that kind of shut me down as far as yeah, yeah. Um, and then, but that really set my feet, I think, on a path of feeling like I just had no voice, mm-hmm. and feeling like I, um, I just lived in this real bondage of shame over what had happened because um, the people who I did tell believed that something happened but they didn't believe it was against my will if that makes sense so it just turned into this really like like I just really started feeling really like I had no voice that I had no say so over my body that nothing I did or said mattered I had no value and I just was living in this like shame for Mm -hmm. the next several years of high school and then on into college it still kind of followed me and um, so I made very poor life choices <laughs> and I drank a lot and I was really promiscuous and I kind of lived life being this girl that everybody thought I was, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, so when I was 19, I was very drunk at a party and I was raped. Mm-hmm. If you asked me at the time, if I knew I had, like, if I had been raped, I would have told you no. Mm-hmm. I would have told you I deserved what happened that night uh-huh. because that's the way I felt about myself. Yeah. So when I found out I was pregnant as a result of that rape, I just immediately made an appointment to have an abortion, like without even a question. My best friend was with me, and she was very, like, if you want to move in with me, like, I will raise this baby with you. If you want to give it up for adoption, like, you can live with me while you're pregnant, and I'll take care of you. And I was just, like, I had my heart. Like, I just knew I could not have a baby, and I knew it because I um, I knew it because I was such a bad person. Like, mm-hmm. I felt so little about myself I thought so little about myself that I thought really and truly that I would be giving like like I was doing the world a favor if Mm -hmm. that makes any sense Mm -hmm. I just thought like with me as a mom and um that guy as a dad like this child has no hope and I have no right to bring him into this world and so I went to the abortion clinic. I went to a Planned Parenthood. And um, when we got there, there was protesters out front. And they had, you know, all the, like, pictures and the things. And as we drove up, um, they started screaming horrible things at us and oh, calling me a murderer. And they threw trash at my car. Oh, oh my god! And I just remember thinking how poetic that was because... Mm. like I like I was trash like they had no Mm. idea that what they were doing was just solidifying what I knew like I just Mm. wanted to yell out the window I'm doing you all a favor (laughs) this is why because I am all these things that you're calling me I am trash 
and this is a favor for you. And so I went to the clinic and um, my best friend came with me and I, um, we had to wait for hours and hours and I had an abortion there. And then I kind of wish I could be like, and then I turned it all around because that was my rock bottom. But Mm -hmm. it really wasn't. It, it, wasn't something I even believed like affected me until way later on in my life. Um, until I, until I found Jesus really. Um, but I, you know, continued kind of living a hard life a promiscuous life and, um, was kind of a mess. I met my soon to be husband, but I didn't know that at the time. (laughs) And he was a mess too. And we were just, these two really horribly messy people. And um, when we were living together in Charleston, South Carolina, he decided he wanted to go to church. I was like, that's, we're not church people. That's not what we do. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, I used to be a church person. I want to go back. And I was like, okay, I guess if you want to try it, we can give it a shot. So we did. And into this incredible church that was just, taught the gospel and it was the first time I'd ever really heard it, heard it the way that it's meant to be told. Mm-hmm. And that it just set me on fire. And I gave my heart to Jesus the second Sunday we were there <laughs> mm-hmm. and it turned it all around for me. And, you know, he gave me back my voice and he told me that I was not worthless, but he called me his treasure And, um, I went through a hard time when I, when we first started trying to have babies, um, it took us about a year to get pregnant. And I really was pretty convinced that that was God punishing me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I really thought strongly that like, I was not going to ever be a mom. And, um, my husband took me in to like see one of the pastors because he was like, I know we're both really new at this church thing, but I'm pretty sure that's not how God works. So <laughs> we, yeah. he took me in to see this pastor and this pastor and his wife, they canceled us. And she herself had had two abortions before she came to know Jesus. And she just talked about our babies in heaven and how we're forgiven and that our babies forgive us and that God forgives us. And that what was left was for me to forgive myself. Mm. And, um, and that seemed super impossible to me, mm-hmm. but she gave me this like Bible study to do. And I did this Bible study that was kind of cheese ball, like super <laughs> from, like, like the eighties, you know? And I was kind of like, uh, this is not, what <laughs> but, but, um, the end of it was, like journaling to God and like just thanking him for like forgiveness and stuff. So I started doing that. And in the middle of it, it's the first time I ever heard God speak to me. And Mm -hmm. he just kind of said, like, who do you think you are? (laughs) Pretty much. Mm -hmm. Like I, like in the sweetest, most wonderful, incredible way, but like, like I died on the cross for you. Like I knew this then and I took it to the grave and I left it there. Like, why is that not enough for you to forgive yourself if I forgive you? And um, I kind of was like, 
yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, true. Mm -hmm. Jesus, thank you for that reminder. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. it took some work and it took some time. But um, about a week later, I was pregnant with our first baby. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it's, you know, it's been a journey because I go back and I realize that even though I forgave um, myself for the abortion, even though I forgave the, the boys who hurt me, even though I forgave that that's not necessarily healing mm-hmm. uh, and that I've had to like kind of go back and do just some real like healing work as far right. as those things go. Um, but forgiveness is definitely the first step, and it happened nine years ago, <laughs> ten years ago, right before I got pregnant with our first. So, yeah. Yeah. I I love that. Um, well, there's a lot of things about your story that I appreciate. Thank you for sharing it. But I think yeah. the one thing that some people may be surprised to hear is that you went to the church for counseling and you received like really good biblical counsel. Um, mm. Because I don't know, maybe this is an incorrect perception, but it's, I know several people um, that I went to high school with who had abortions. And just to look at the statistics, it would appear as if many women in the church have had abortions, but I've never heard anyone within the church talking about it. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know, maybe you can speak a little bit to that, but I always think on <laughs> Sanctity of Life Sunday, like, there are women sitting around me who have had abortions, and I, and yeah. maybe they don't feel safe enough to talk about that, you know? Right. Well, like, okay, so right now I'm speaking for an organization called Save the Storks, which is a Christian organization that is all about turning the pro-life movement on its head and turning it into a movement that's called that's a pro-love movement. And so mm-hmm. the statistics that they have are that one in three women in America have had an abortion. Wow. And like that does not change in your church. That does not change right. depending on the building you're in. Like that's what it is. And um, they have statistics that say 91% of people who regularly attend church want to hear from the pulpit about abortion and about like a pro-life stance or whatever that means, you know, but that note that 92% of churches have no, have nothing. They don't have any kind of counseling or care for post-abortive women. They don't have anything for abortion minded women. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't really have any way to support or empower women in their church who like make up. 33%. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Sorry, Shannon. Okay. No, it's okay. It's a good question. Uh, I think it's because they're scared. I think it's because the pro-life movement has gotten a bad, I mean, when you say pro-life, like, what do you picture? You picture those people who threw trash at me, right? Like, that's who you picture. And so I think that there is a certain amount of, um, I don't know what word I want to use. There's just a taboo that the church um, wants to like not touch that. Right. It's like the same, like a lot of churches don't talk a lot about same sex marriage or, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they just don't. 
So when, like, when you had done this um, healing work, was there still a period of time where you kind of kept quiet about it with other Christians? Like, was there a loneliness to it? Or did you feel free to talk about it immediately? So when I first, like, I did a lot of healing prayer and a lot of those kind of, that kind of work. Um, And then, but, you know, I had two, I had two friends come over to my house for dinner and they had just started working with Save the Storks. And I thought to myself, like, I have to tell them that I have had an abortion because if I don't, like, that's not me, like, doing life with them, right? Like, if I'm, and, um, but I, telling them my story got red and like was sweating and like got back to like a place of shame that I really thought I had conquered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I just didn't know how they would react because they were clearly, clearly on the other side of that like issue, you know? And, right. um, but they met me with just love and grace and compassion. And I mean, they gave me a job at Save the Storks. So. <laughs> <laughs> So it turned out pretty good. (laughs) But yeah, I think that was the first time I really tried it. And then um, Save the Storks did a video of my testimony. And um, when it went live, I was super anxious and a little nervous about it. And then, you know, some Christians got on there and wrote stuff like, told me I was going to hell. (laughs) And um, like wrote some really hard, mean, horrible things. But, but. It was good because, like, that was my biggest fear. That was my biggest fear. And then when it happened and I saw them and I saw what they wrote, all I felt was sad for them. Yeah. Yeah. When you said that, I wanted to be, like, quote, unquote, Christian. I know. <laughs> yeah, I thought right? the same I just, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't smell like Jesus to me. Right. Um, How long yeah. ago was that, Amber, that that video aired, that your story's really kind of been out there? Uh, one year ago, like last week. Okay. Yeah. So it's been fairly recent that you kind of had this. Yeah. I don't know if you'd call it a stirring, but to start sharing your story with other people and. Yeah. Mm, Okay. Yeah. What are some practical things that you'd like to see Christians doing as a pro-life stance? Like clearly it's not throwing trash out people outside of Planned Parenthood. What are, <laughs> Wait, what that's are not how you do produ- it? <laughs> what are some more productive things that you would recommend to people who are listening and who would, who would like to put feet to their conviction? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are pregnancy resource centers, and I don't know, you all probably know about them, but a lot of people don't. And a lot of times if you ask somebody like, do you know what a pregnancy resource center is? They'll say like, oh, Planned Parenthood. And you're like, no. Mm, yeah. Opposite. yeah. Opposite of that. Because um, I'm not against Planned Like, I'm not against Planned Parenthood. I'm not like, I don't think anything should be defended. I'm not about like making things illegal. I don't think that. What I do think is that we need to like radically love women to the point that abortion does not even cross their mind. Yeah. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there are pregnancy resource centers. They outnumber abortion clinics three to one. Really? And, wow. Yeah. 
And, but like, they're just underfunded and they are like, they don't have like the marketing and like the manpower to like really get out right. in the communities the way that they need to. Um, but they offer incredible, incredible services. Mm-hmm. Like if a woman comes to them and wants to keep her baby and like wants to keep, keep her baby, like they will partner with her to get her a better job. They have like interview clothes and job training yeah. and like budget training and free formula, free diapers, free mm-hmm. baby clothes till the two year old, like, you know, and so I think an important part of doing the pro-life movement well is to come alongside people who are already like doing it well Mm -hmm. and and these like pregnancy resource centers a lot of them are like wildly exceptional like have wildly exceptional care they just are not getting to the abortion-minded women um the way that they could be yeah um and you know and so and then save the storks they are about that too. So they do a thing where they partner with pregnancy resource centers and then they park these mobile medical units in front of abortion clinics. Mm. Oh, okay. and, um, Is Save they, the Storks nationwide, Amber? They are, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And so the, they have a mobile medical unit that is partnered with a pregnancy resource center the mobile medical unit is this Mercedes Sprinter van that's like all tricked out with like leather and like <laughs> super like nice. And then they offer free ultrasounds there. Yeah. And so they park in front of abortion clinics and then they offer women walking in free ultrasounds. Okay. And 90% of women who hear their baby's heartbeat will not go through with an abortion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is an incredible statistic, but yeah, one that I really believe, but then right, it's they, not it's not hard to believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so and so then they, so when they choose life, then they are partnered with these pregnancy resource centers, and then like like I said, they could use um, like if you can't volunteer time or you can't volunteer money, like pregnancy resource centers will take like your infant clothes and they'll take diapers and they'll take formula and they'll take maternity clothes and they'll take nice like business clothes for Mm -hmm. moms to go use they'll take like all that stuff and it's easy to find one near you yeah so So. for people listening they could just google the name of their town and pregnancy resource center and probably find one nearby totally yeah. Absolutely. You know what? That's funny because I have a bag of clothes I was going to take to consignment of maternity clothes. And now I'm like, I'm going to go to a pregnancy resource center. There you go. <laughs> so I know. And like, <laughs> you have all like the newborn clothes, you know, everybody has mm-hmm. way more newborn clothes than they could use. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Like, no consignment place will take them because nobody wants to buy you. There's an over. Yeah. 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 When I was right? pre- pregnant with my second, actually. Um, my biological kids are really close together. And so I didn't know how far along I was and they had a new ultrasound tech at the pregnancy resource center and they needed pregnant women to practice. on. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I went because I had no idea. I was like, I'm really early, I think. And so I went and they, she got to practice on me and I got to find out how far along I was. So <laughs> that's fun. That, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. Yeah, that is pregnant awesome. ladies to practice on. <laughs> so Amber, one of the things that you said 
when you were sharing your story that really struck me is that you felt like you had no voice. Um, yeah. And then, you know, several years later when you found the Lord and Jesus gave you your voice back. But for, I'm sure there are women listening who maybe aren't in the exact same situation that you were in, but they find themselves in a situation where they feel like they have no voice. So yeah. what, what would you say to somebody who feels that way? Like they, they don't have a voice or they've lost their voice. I would say that the answer to finding your voice is to find who you are. And I think that when you suffer through a trauma or like an extreme hurt, that you your body's tendency is to separate. So your mm. body separates from your mind, separates from your spirit in order to protect you. And it's good in the moment. In the moment, it is protection, but it's not good forever. Mm-hmm. And you need to unite with your body and unite with your soul and unite with your mind in order to get your voice back, in order to be a wholehearted person, in order to live a healthy life. So I often, when I speak, um, I often have women come up to me after and tell me all sorts of horrible things that have happened to them. And sometimes they'll tell me these horrible things and then they'll say, but you know, it didn't really affect me. And then moments later, they talk about their eating disorder or how they're an alcoholic or how they cheat on their husband or like, and, and they never draw the correlation between the things because one happened so far in their past. Um, and they think that they're fine. Mm-hmm, and right. so I would say that if you feel like you have no voice right now, if you feel like you are not like living a whole life, if you feel like you're, that there's hurt, that you need to just spend time connecting with your, with your mind and your body and your breath. And that like meditation or breath work, or yoga, or walking, and just being intentional with your breath as you walk and you pray, that those are really like specific ways that you can start to really feel what's going on with you, and then really go to Jesus to ask for healing for those things. Hmm. It's interesting that you said that, Amber, because I was just telling my husband, I saw this on my podcast role, there is um, Krista Tippett's On Being. She was interviewing a psychiatrist, and his name is Foreign. And so now, without it before me, I can't remember it. But but they were talking about that, about how the body retains trauma and how um, meditation and yoga and breathing can help heal um, heal the trauma, heal our brains. So yeah. I'm, like, blown away that you brought that up because I, like, oh, I was already intrigued you was by on that. your mind. Yeah. There's yeah. incredible books called The Body Keeps the Score. And um, it's all about, like, it's all about that. And it's and I got it because I recognized that in my healing walk, like, it started with healing prayer, and that was, that was important to me. It was important to me to walk back to those really, like, tra- traumatizing times and see where Jesus was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
know, like that's really important because then I can remember the times and not remember. And like my body doesn't automatically go into fight or flight when I remember them. Right. So I can remember them and think about Jesus instead of having a trauma response triggered in my body. Yeah. So like when, you know, so like when I, the night I was raped, I had drunk, I had been drinking whiskey and so for years and years and years and years I couldn't even smell whiskey without mm. bursting into tears yeah. and I could, mm. and I didn't know why I didn't mm. draw the line between the two things oh, until wow. my healing prayer and then all I could smell was whiskey when I was praying about it you know and then I remember yeah. and then I but like now I remember where Jesus was in and I can talk about it without like reliving it yeah. And I think that yeah. that's a big part that people are missing, that yeah. they are constantly getting put back into the fight or flight of their trauma uh-huh. without actually having a fight or flight need. need. Sure. Right. So, right. Yeah. For so, people, <laughs> sorry, we, we might, <laughs> we we have, might, so we might have the same question. <laughs> I know. Um, I might have the same one. You go ahead. Okay. So for people who aren't familiar with healing prayer, could you just really yeah. briefly explain what you mean when you say that? Yeah, totally. So um, the kind of healing prayer that I did, I think there's a lot of different ways people go about it. Um, but I sat with a trusted friend who um, was going to hold space for me and was going to lead me back to Jesus and not let me hear from anything, anybody else but Jesus as we walked back through our memories. And so we'd sit together and we would pray together and, um, she would just say, so just tell me like what memory is coming to your head right now. And sometimes they would be like the really hard, really traumatic, really bad, memories and sometimes they were these memories that seemed super benign Mm -hmm. but we would walk through them anyway and um as you walk through the memory you just ask Jesus like Jesus where were you when this horrible thing was happening to me or where were you when I was making this promise to myself when I was promising myself to never love somebody more than they loved me or when I picked up this shield of being like the promiscuous girl, like where were you when I did these things? Or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just ask him, like, where were you? And what were you thinking? And like, and what, which, like, what do you want to, like, what did you just say to me that I couldn't hear because I was so in the moment? Because the thing is that Jesus is always with you. Like right. he's always with you and he's always there. And so I would see him like, knelt by my head and weeping with me or I would hear him telling me over and over that you are my treasure. This is not who you are. This, you are my precious. This is not who you are. And, um, and it, it reprograms the way that I remember those things for me. And so it's a really big part of, of that, of my getting better for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's yeah. And that was the question I was going to ask. (laughs) (laughs) There's like, I mean, there's like um, other kinds that people practice and have like actual certifications and stuff into. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. like there's like Sosa or Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Sosa. Yeah. So yeah. 
Awesome. If you don't if you don't have a very good friend who will sit and hold space and turn you back to Jesus, so you relive trauma. And there's places that you can, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we actually um, go to one of my kiddos and I go to a Christian counseling center and do. It's essentially what you just described, but we combine it with EMDR. Um, right. Yeah. Which is you know another kind of type of working through trauma, um, but it's incredibly powerful and, mm. and, yeah. he, and do you healing. Do, <laughs> yeah. You do like, is it Splunknet? Is that what it's called? Mm, I don't know. She, we've Splunknet. never used that term before. That is like EMDR, but like with the Holy Spirit. Kind uh, of. Well, he's there. Yes. But I've never <laughs> heard them use that term. <laughs> he's there. Oh, there. Yes. Um, That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, so we're getting um, low on time, but is there anything else that we haven't asked you that you want to share that you just want people to know? I guess I really, I feel like a big part of my story is that I acted a certain way because I believed a certain thing about myself. And I think that when you see people acting out or um, quote-unquote behaving badly, that like the assumption is that they're like selfish or they're, you know, like Mm. they're only thinking of themselves. And like that really, I was just a really broken, broken girl for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it was almost the opposite. Like you were, it wasn't that you were thinking about yourself. You were not thinking, you know what I mean? Like, would you, is that fair to say? I don't want to put that on you. No, that's totally fair to say. It's almost like you weren't. And you could, you know, and I had this horrible reputation for being promiscuous, but really I felt like if I said no, that it wouldn't matter. So why say mm. no? You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, yeah. I just feel like um, if there's people in your life who are acting really broken, that that maybe they really are, you know? Yeah. And maybe that's a space um, and an invitation to kind of press in and yeah. to say... I, you know, and to just speak truth into somebody, you don't need to know what their story is to speak the truth of who they are to them. Mm. Um, so I just like, you know, to have somebody who could have grabbed me by my face and said, no, you, this is not who you are. Right. Yeah. Right. right? Like, um, so that's just my like goal in life is to virtually grab all the faces <laughs> yeah <laughs> and say like you are beautiful and you're beloved and that's the most true thing about you and so living outside of that is not like living in your truth and yeah. so let's get back to that yeah I love that thank yeah. you Amber that's really good really, yeah yeah definitely yeah. a good word Thank you for sharing your story with our listeners. Mm-hmm. Before we let you go, can you tell everyone where we can find you online, where they can follow along your journey? Yeah. Um, so just beautifulandbeloved.com. <laughs> Easy. Easy. Easy, original. Um, and then from there, like, there's links to Save the Storks or um, a YouTube channel. We do some just talk about meditation and breath work and healing and oh, stuff cool. like that all right we'll include yeah. them in the show notes um yeah as yeah, well so people so, but yeah just beautiful and beloved.com will link you to all those places awesome awesome well yeah. thank you so much for sharing thanks amber 
Yeah, you guys, thank you so much for having me. It was so nice to be on with you. Yeah, I'm glad it was our out. honor. Yeah, for sure. Well, that was an incredible just glimpse into Amber's story and Amber's life. Uh, what did you guys think? Yeah, such a powerful story. So thankful she shared it. I, I, I wish there were more voices of women who, you know, were kind of unafraid to share that the harder parts of their story, just in general, but especially when it comes to abortion, because mm-hmm. it, for some of us, it feels really foreign because we've never experienced that. And then for others of us, um, maybe we have experienced it and we feel like we can't talk about it. You know? Right, right, right. And I think a lot of Christian women assume and assume wrongly that they don't know anyone who has had an abortion just because right. people aren't talking about it. And and Lifeway has done studies that 70% of women who get abortions identify as Christians. And, you know, we might yeah, all have different views of what yeah. Christianity is and what a relationship with Jesus is. But 70% is a very large, large statistic. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a good reminder whether we uh, we are women who are like leading ministries or, you know, like in my case, I'm married to a pastor and just, you know, like I know he's aware when he's speaking, like to not assume that no one in the room has had an abortion, but just for all of us to remember yeah. this is yeah. like we can we can be against this and also be sensitive to the fact that it happens and we can right. be like staunchly pro-life and also like compassionate to those who are on this other side, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. And we are following Jesus in that, right? You know, like he mm-hmm. has really high standards. His standard is perfect righteousness, but like he meets his expectation of righteousness with his own grace and his own mercy. And so we can have a high, we can say abortion is wrong and still love people who have had abortions because absolutely of Jesus. And we have to be intentional about that. Right. And and I think what she said was so true. And Amber said, you don't need to know their story to speak truth of who someone is to them. So mm-hmm. you don't need to know. I don't need to know all of the hurt and the pain and the sin and whatever it is that's in your story, because we all have those stories. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know that to say you are made in the image of God. Right. That doesn't matter. And that mm-hmm. doesn't matter who I'm talking to or what their story is. Mm-hmm. They are you know, as she says, beautiful and beloved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know um, we kind of talked about this uh, briefly before we were recording, but just how powerful the scene that she talked about where she described driving into Planned, Planned Parenthood yeah. and that there were protesters who were throwing trash at her car and that I think she said the people who threw trash at her were affirming what she knew about herself, which is that she was worthless and she was trash. And that's how she felt at the time. And I think when I heard that, I was like, this is why we're doing this episode. Like, this is why Mm -hmm. we're talking about this because we can, like I said, we can be anti-abortion and, 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 and it's still important for us to remember that like when there, that people who choose abortion, like they're not always doing it super defiantly. They're doing it because they don't know that they are, that they have dignity that God has given them as human beings and that they are made in the image of God. And that when you pull in, you feel like trash, you know, and you know, there are different circumstances. Like we kind of talked about. And and Christy, I thought it was so powerful. She didn't say like, I felt like trash. Right. She said, I was trash. Uh Yeah. 
That's yeah. pretty profound. I mean, I just what a what a picture to see. Mm-hmm. And so then she sees Christians who are really being hateful, you know, mm-hmm. throwing trash at someone. I mean, who does I can't that? imagine ever doing that. Yeah, that was No. <laughs> well, I can't I can't imagine anybody I know doing that. Yeah. It was almost like, are these like crazy people? I mean, you know, who are mm-hmm. these people? But anyway, right. that's <laughs> but so she had this experience of people who in some way, shape or form were identifying as Christians. And, but then she goes on in her story and she says, Jesus gave me back my voice. Right. So I think mm-hmm. it's a really powerful redemption story, even as a relationship with the church say, mm-hmm. in, in Christianity, seeing that there were people that were trying to, to take away her dignity. Mm -hmm. And then she found like Jesus gave her her dignity. Right. Mm -hmm. And then she didn't stop it there. Like she has used that experience. Like Jesus is breaking into her life to help like speak that, that uh, dignity over other women who have been in that situation. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. So I thought she had a good point, Shannon, when you asked her, like, what, what can we do? What can our listeners do? We're hearing this. We want to be whole life. We want to be pro-life beyond picket sign or beyond, you know, trash, which I'm just, I'm having a hard time getting over that. I know. Right? Yeah, said, I did too. <laughs> she said, come alongside people who are already doing it well. And I, I love that mm-hmm. idea of not reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She gave you know, throughout a few organizations that she knows of, Save the Storks, obviously. But then even just in your local community, she's like, find a pregnancy resource center. And what, I don't remember what she said, but they outnumber Planned Parenthoods, like, exponentially. Do it you guys remember? Three to one. Yeah, I wrote it down when I was one. listening. So I was like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and I've been familiar with them in the different cities that I've lived in. But honestly, I haven't done a whole lot to contribute because I'm, mm-hmm. I, I guess I focus more on like building, you know, personal relationships with people, but, but some of the which things is that she, very which, which is super important. Right. 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 Um, but I think I've, I've kind of just left that part to other people and I'm just realizing, mm-hmm. Hey, there are like little things I can do, like bringing my maternity clothes mm-hmm. or, um, you know, right. bringing diapers or whatnot. So, right. yeah, I was really encouraged by those practical ideas she threw out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I love it when she said, we need to radically love women to the point that abortion doesn't even cross their minds. And so that is like a holistic, like mm-hmm. women need to be loved. I mean, all people, men, women, children, everyone need to be supported and loved and valued to the point where they're not thinking the best decision that I can do right now is to terminate this pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And that that's a whole life that right. is all pro-life is. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it, you know, it is it is important to donate maternity clothes and it is important to like make sure that we're supporting those immediate needs, but it it goes beyond that too, because, Mm -hmm. you know, she said like there are organizations that give, you know, clothes up to two years old, which is amazing and wonderful and so needed, but kids need clothes after they're three, you know, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it's Mm -hmm. like, so I think sometimes we do boil it down to, to the immediacy, but mm-hmm. that's a really reactive approach, which is something Lindsay has talked about before. So mm-hmm. it is important and it is good and it is an incredible ministry, but yeah. other things are just as pro-life. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, for sure. So there's this 
I don't know how many people listening to this will have seen the movie Moana. My kids and I went to go see it, and there's there was a part there was there were some things that she said that reminded me of this scene that scene near the end where Moana is fighting. I'm not going to give any like. Well, I guess I'm not going to say any more than spoilers that because I don't yeah, want to give a spoiler alert. <laughs> slight spoiler, slight spoiler alert. There's this scene where someone is saying to someone else. There's this song and. She says, I know your name. They have stolen the heart from inside you, but this does not define you. This is not who you are. You know who you are. And I was watching it with my daughters and I was like, all of a sudden I'm like sobbing because it's this, it's a really dramatic scene. I wish I could describe it more, but I don't want to ruin the movie for people who haven't seen it yet. But it's this, there's something really scary happening too. And one character stands up and like against this other character and says, this is not who you are. And as I was watching this, I was like, okay. Here's the thing, like, we all have this, like, uh, apart from, from Jesus, we all have this, like, darkness and violence inside of us that even we don't know what to do with. And Jesus comes to us and he says, this is not who you are. They've stolen your heart. I'm going to fix it. You know who you are. I know who you are. I'm going to put who you are back inside of you. And as she was talking through her story, that's something that I was kind of remembering is this, like, scene and just... You know, it's always good to hear other people's stories and to be remembered that that's my story too. So like my story did not involve an abortion, but my story did involve Jesus breaking in and saying, I know who you are. I'm fixing your heart. I'm putting my righteousness over your unrighteousness. Now you know who you are. So if you see the movie, you can think about this now and I recommend it. But it was this really like beautiful, powerful scene. Right. And it's set to music, which is always fun. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that's a really great movie. Yeah. And now I'm intrigued because of that scene. Right, it sounds very go pathetic. Watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that Amber, that was true of Amber's story was sexual abuse and rape. And I think it's just right. really important to acknowledge that that's not the case for everyone who chooses abortion. And we realize that. And um, I don't want this to feel exclusive to people who chose abortion out of a victimization like this absolutely applies to everybody whether you were loud and proud about it or ashamed and felt like trash you know this Mm -hmm. her message amber's message of being the beloved of of you know being so much more than shame being free from shame is for everybody Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. no matter you know how you currently feel about about your abortion, if that, mm-hmm. if that has been in your story. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think about the part where she was working through where Jesus was when all of that happened? Yeah, I've done that kind of prayer ministry before, and I really got a lot out of it too. Mm-hmm. But, but that is a tricky, <laughs> it's a tricky thing to endorse, mm-hmm. I guess I would say. Yeah. Because I feel like I would hope that somebody, somebody pastoral would be, you know, walking you through it because I think Mm -hmm. that can be a really confusing thing, especially if it, depending on, you know, your own circumstances and everything that can be a, a hard and painful thing to think about. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I was really glad that she shared how it had helped her healing. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to ask it like it was controversial. (laughs) (laughs) I understand what you mean, but I was thinking just how, I don't know, like how good it is for us to remember that like hard things don't necessarily happen. I mean, it's always hard when we think about like God knowing about hard things happening, but to know that like, I would think it would be comforting to know that Jesus was there mourning with you. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. 
This is Lindsay, and I've done some similar healing prayer type stuff, which I think I mentioned during the interview, but we've also done it with our kids, and it's Mm. been really helpful, I think, for kind of the reason that you were asking that question, Christy, and just Mm. helping to point them back to the truth that, yes, there are going to be hard things, but also Jesus never leaves us, Mm -hmm. and so... And that can be tricky, like Shannon said. Right. But for our family, it's been really, I mean, I would say almost foundational to our ability to live where we live and do the kind of work that we do because there are hard things. But for us, knowing that Jesus is here, that's like the end. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. nothing else matters if Jesus is here. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point. And I think just, you know, processing that in a spiritual level and then also having professionals to talk to. And so Amber's mm-hmm. story, she talked to a pastor and his wife. But, you know, even if somebody is not in the place where they're feeling comfortable to talk to somebody in ministry, you could talk to a counselor. You don't even have to yeah. talk to a Christian counselor. Talk to somebody. Right. And, and for those of us who are in the church who identify as believers, we need to live lives that our people know that we're safe people to talk yes, to. Right. Because so in that LifeWay study, only 7% of women said that they discussed their abortion decision with anyone at church. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's so heartbreaking. So how can we as Christian women be people who they, people see us and they don't see, oh, they're going to be judgmental, mm-hmm. but instead they're going to, they're going to show me Jesus and they're going to love me and they're going to love me through this brokenness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we start by not throwing trash at people. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I also just think like, you know, the Bible says that people will know us by our love and the way that we love one another. And I just think you, I mean, I think most of us know when we're in the presence of someone who has like that tender, caring, loving heart Mm -hmm. and, and they're safe. And then when you're in the presence of someone who, isn't you know what I mean like there's just a Mm -hmm. I don't know almost like a wall that's either there or not there and I think in order for us to be safe people we have to be loving people Mm -hmm. yeah I think a lot of it like comes down to whether or not we see grace as scandalous or not like if we see grace as something that we deserve because we didn't do this or because we did do this and it makes it really difficult to look at someone who did or didn't do the other, the opposite side mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, feel like our grace is normative. Like, well, mine is because I've been pretty good. But then when we look at someone who has done or experienced things that are different, that doesn't translate well. But if we remember that grace is always scandalous, like yeah. every time, someone receives grace, it's absolutely scandalous, then I think that helps us. I mean, it it definitely affects the way that we interact with people who have different experiences than we do. And that should always be the the basis for like our personal relationship with the Lord, but also with the way that we interact with, with others. And like Jesus never compromised on that. You know, like he knew, he knew how scandalous it was because he bore sin and So I think that's just, that's one thing that is helpful for me and I think has been helpful for other people when you like really focus on that. This isn't normal. Grace isn't normal. Grace is extreme. It's upside down. It's completely upside down. Mm -hmm. I think too, when, when we think about, you know, how to be safe people, 
I think the you go first thing, like being willing, being willing mm-hmm. to go first with like oh, yeah. your own junk and being vulnerable with your past or, or your present failures, you know, but yeah. I'm not going to feel safe with somebody who I think is perfect. I'm not going to tell right. them my, <laughs> my worst moment, you know? So I try to live my life, by that, which I sometimes get, feel like maybe I'm just too much of an open book. But like, but I think that it's important, you know, if we want to be trusted, we have to be willing to, to be like laid bare first. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a so great true. point. Absolutely. Well, there's so much more that we could say. And we just want to thank Amber again for being willing to talk with us and um, to share her story with us and with all of you. And we have a Facebook group. And it's Upside Down Tribe, and it's a private group that you can ask to get into, and somebody will let you in. And we hope that it will be a place to continue this conversation, to continue processing, and and just be kind of one of those safe spaces where Mm -hmm. we can kind of figure this out and work work out these different issues. So, um, and... You can um, you can find us at upsidedownpodcast.com. And we have a lot more to talk about with the whole life mm-hmm. um, topic. You know, this, this issue we talked about was more specifically about abortion. But as we mentioned in our previous pro-life, whole life ethic, um, there's so many topics. Because as yeah. Christians, life is everything, right? And right. so there's a million different things that we want to talk about and that we look forward to talking about in the future. So thanks again for listening and find us upside down podcast um, on Instagram and Facebook. And we can't wait to hear from you. Have a great day.